This is Noeli. And this is Lo. And we're here in sunny Brussels, taking a break from the light of our laptops to tell you the latest adventures on the Stop CETA campaign. There's much to say about free trade in general, and you might have heard mostly about TTIP, the free trade agreement between the United States and um, the EU. Um, but yet this time we'll focus on CETA since this agreement has been the main topic of our trade team and many others who mobilized this autumn. So CETA, which is the Comprehensive Economic Trade Agreement between Canada and the EU, was signed on the 30th of October after an incredible saga that reminded us people have the power to stop free trade agreements. And in this edition, we'll walk you through the different stops of the autumn, passing through Luxembourg, meeting people from France, Hungary, Ireland and other places across Europe. So first up is Bratislava, where people from 14 countries gathered together to protest at the informal meeting between trade ministers. It was on the 22nd of September, and we went there thinking we would finally know whether CETA would be signed or not at the EU-Canada summit that was planned to take place on October the 27th. Now we're going to listen to Fidush, which is a member of Friends of the Earth Hungary, who was there with us. Regarding the CETA, the Hungarian government has not made any position yet. Mm-hmm. So we are uh, going to make more and more pressure on the decision makers. So why did you come to Bratislava? Because in, in, in July we have learned that the trade ministers of the European Union will have an informal meeting in, in Bratislava to discuss the issue of TTIP and, and, and CETA. And especially since the European Commission has already uh, tabled a proposal to the Council to sign the trade agreement with Canada, we thought that it would it, it, it's important uh, to show to the trade ministers of the EU, to, to the members the Council that people from Central Eastern European countries, Hungary, Austria, Slovakia, Poland, Czech Republic, Romania, do not want uh, this uh, Trojan agreement. So this is why we came here with a group from Hungary. CETA, get out! We know what you're all about. Cuts, job losses, money for the bosses. In Bratislava, we also met a group of young people from Bund, which is Friends of the Earth Germany. They were about 15 and had been on a tour from Berlin to Wolfsburg for the Convention of the Social Democratic Party of Germany, where the delegates decided on a common position on CETA. We talked to Sophia from Frankfurt. And so from what I understood, Bund kind of did a, a small festival and they went around right. a few countries. So right. How, how was this well, uh, not Well, basically we went to Wolfsburg, mm-hmm. where the social party met. Uh, from Germany and they discussed because uh, the majority of the social party in Germany was against CETA uh, but the head of the social party was for it. That's why we went to Wolfsburg we were about 300 um, to demonstrate um, but unfortunately they didn't hear us. So in the end sadly they did decide for CETA then we went to Vienna to meet with uh, Global 2000 which is also an environmental movement in Austria 
just to brainstorm, to organize the event to today, and just to uh, connect and uh, yeah, to form more unions uh, with uh, environmental organizations. And so how has it been because you were in Austria yesterday, uh, two days ago, and now here there's people from all around Europe? Yes. How is it to meet all these different activists that are all working in the national context against TTIP and CETA? Um, I think it's wonderful. I've already experienced it in, in the last um, uh, demonstrations concerning Blockupy, for example, which was very huge in Frankfurt, obviously, because of European Central Bank. Um, it's always great to meet different people, how they think, what they do, how... how um, you just get a different uh, understanding of what's going on in their own country and how, uh, especially the youth, youth things. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And talking about youth, we also met Oliver and Jakob at the conferences and protests that were organized in Bratislava. They were both from Slovakia and knew in all of this, but I had heard about the mobilization through Facebook. So one of them actually told us later that he was skipping school to be able to come to our demonstration, but he thought he was actually learning a lot more than if he was staying in school. Are we allowed to have a favorite in protest? <laughs> um, so hearing what they had to say, we also learned a lot about the diversity of the mobilization. So we're here today in Bratislava and there are people from all around Europe that have gathered here. So from Romania, Czech Republic, Austria, Belgium, Switzerland, Poland, uh, Hungary. How does it feel to have so many different people come to, to your country? I'm really glad that they care for the whole Europe. So I'm happy that they came here to support us because there would be not enough of Slovak people here. And also the organization would be much weaker than it is now. So I'm happy they came. The whole idea of TTIP and so on is not very well known in Slovakia. It's just really few people know about it. So. Personally, I was pro-CETA and pro-TTIP at first because I could see only the positives on it, of it. But then I found some information about the negatives and so, and after I evaluated it, I came to the point that it's not so great for us and I think uh, many people don't know about the negatives because you cannot find it in media you have to uh, google it on the internet and so well what I find interesting is even people who care about stuff like feminist issue and LGBT community stuff and things like that don't really know about this issue so it's quite it's definitely at all behind the door and we can see yeah. it There is not so many demonstrations in Slovakia. I think people here are a little bit uh, scared of doing something, you know, something more that they usually have to do. You know, they are, like, the moral outrage is betrayed by the comfort of calm, I would say. Well, it's kind of po uh, post-Soviet mentality, I think, so that's it. Well, I think everyone's really glad to be here and it's been beautiful to be in your country. So is there anything else that you'd like to add? We are glad people from all Europe came here. So Yeah, we're thank all you. really glad to be here. <laughs> cool, thank you. We learned at the end of the protest that there was no decision yet on CETA. Cecilia Malmström, the European Commissioner for Trade, and Peter Zika, Minister of the Economy of the Slovak Republic, announced that there would be an extraordinary meeting of trade ministers organized on October the 18th, where the ministers were expected to approve CETA. Meanwhile, Canada and the EU would work on a joint legally binding declaration meant at reassuring public concern over the trade agreement. 
Unfortunately, after reading and analyzing the interpretative declaration, we had to come to the conclusion that this declaration was not even worth the paper it was written on. And so we decided to go to Luxembourg for that special meeting. And on our way there, we had a good surprise. We heard that Belgium was not able to agree on the signature as several of its parliaments still had strong concerns about the agreement. At the moment, it's our great friends in Valonia who are holding up and who are making it very difficult to pass ETA. But they only will be able... They only will be able to keep it up if we come out in numbers, if we are there to support them, if we are there to show solidarity with Valonia, because at the moment, Valonia represents all of Europe. So being here today is a great victory, but we have to keep the pressure on and we have to keep coming out and we have to keep saying no to these really bad trade deals like CETA and TTIP and TISA. So let's all say together, stop CETA! Stop CETA! Stop CETA! Stop CETA! Thank you. Uh, we just had Fabian, who is Friends of the Earth Europe trade campaigner, uh, who was in Luxembourg with us. And along with him, we had Stuart Chu, who came straight from Canada to Luxembourg to attend the demonstration. He works for the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives and gave us a bit of an insight on the mobilization on the other side of the Atlantic. came because uh, we are, like many Europeans, fundamentally opposed to the CETA agreement. Uh, Canada-Europe trade deal. Um, we're here to speak uh, together with European groups uh, fighting the deal, to think about how we're going to continue to fight it, no matter what happens here in Luxembourg at the trade minister's meeting, uh, and to really get to understand and, and the agreement and talk about it in great detail so we can fight it much more effectively in the, in the coming months as we will need to do. I think you're against TTIP and CETA. Uh, can you tell me some reason why? Well, these deals are agreements. They've, they're written by and they're written for the global 1%. They're for the very rich. They're for big investors, big companies. Uh, it helps them to reduce the role that the governments can play in our lives to improve our lives, make them safer. Uh, and it, it undermines our democracy. That's the result we've seen in North America through the North American Free Trade Agreement. Uh, we've seen undermined regulations, undermined democratic accountability, uh, and, and much stronger corporate rights. And we think enough is enough. This is a bad model. It's a model from the 20th century. We need something better going forward that's going to help people. It's going to help us solve the climate crisis. It's going to help us solve inequality. And CETA takes us in the opposite direction. And what Canadians think about CETA? Canadians are as concerned about the parts of CETA uh, that I just mentioned as they are in Europe. They do not want to see their drug prices go up, which they will by about $800 million annually if CETA is signed. They do not want to see corporations given the right to sue governments because their profits are hurt. They don't want to see regulations undermine public safety regulations. So they are opposed to the deal when they get to know what's in the agreement. Um, Canadian 
the workers, labor unions, students, environmental groups, all totally opposed to CETA uh, and are, would like to work with Europeans to, to stop it across the Atlantic. There was no resolution found on that meeting in October, but with the right amount of pressure and an additional text, Belgium ended up agreeing to sign CETA. It was not signed on the 27th of October, as it was initially planned, but it was signed a few days after, on the 30th, on a Sunday, actually. Um, but maybe now time to focus on the reasons why people oppose this agreement. Let's see what Fabian has to say about it. The overall concern is that who this agreement actually benefits are the ones who are already very powerful, uh, but rich, um, um, and in particular the multinational corporations, which will have a much easier time trading across the Atlantic and which will have an additional mechanism to influence the way um, decisions, democratic decisions are made. One of those elements, for example, is something called regulatory cooperation in which um, big lobby groups will have an additional say in how laws and regulations are made. And um, regulatory cooperation is an attempt to prevent new laws from emerging that could do have a negative impact on transatlantic trade. And sometimes we think those laws and regulations are very necessary. If um, we, for example, think in Europe that... Um, the exploitation of very greenhouse gas intensive oil called tar sands isn't a good idea. We should be able to put restrictions on that. With CETA, that will become much more difficult. Uh, another issue is um, the ability of, of those big corporations to sue all levels of government um, if they adopt decisions um, that harm their expected profits. This mechanism allows large corporations to sue all levels of government and challenge their decisions in these biased and unaccountable tribunals that operate outside our, of our normal legal system. And that can lead to huge amounts of compensation being paid out to them um, without any chance of challenging these decisions in normal courts. They can use this system to threaten and uh, um, uh, governments and parliaments to not adopt certain laws and, and regulations. And, and that is a huge threat to the way our democracies work um, and only benefits this very small group of very powerful uh, corporations. And that's something that we've seen already happening across the world, including in Europe. You actually went to Bratislava, you also went to Luxembourg, and then there's been other stuff happening also in Brussels and so on. How was it to to see and be part of all of that? Mm. No, it's it's really amazing to see and um, I think it's really remarkable how broad this movement really is. I mean, we've seen um, unions, environmental organizations, um, artists, cultural organizations, um, rather more conservative groups like judges associations, um, people concerned about food, um, um, about digital rights, uh, uh, consumer protection, all of them finding together and, and raising their voice against these agreements. And it's, it's really a remarkable movement that has emerged across Europe um, um, from many different European countries. It's uh, often portrayed as being only a problem in Germany or Germany and Austria, but it's really uh, something that has captured the, the imagination of, of many people across Europe. And, and there's a very positive spirit in those demonstrations. It's not um, a kind of negative, only anti-violence uh, 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 
mood that is being expressed there, but rather something of a different way of doing globalization that puts people and the environment first and ahead of corporate interests. And, and it's it's um, makes me really hopeful to see how, how that broad coalition is really emerging in, uh, across Europe. So we want different ways of doing globalization and the movement also uses different ways of mobilizing. Here in Brussels, a group of people initiated TTIP Game Over, a platform calling for nonviolent direct action against all free trade deals. In September, a training for trainers was organized to help the mobilization. Friends of the Earth Europe gave its support to the training, bringing the School of Sustainability techniques. We were curious to hear how it was for the participants, so we called Megan from Friends of the Earth Ireland to tell us more about it. This is Laura from uh, Friends of the Earth Europe. Hi, this is Megan. Hi, Megan. How are you? Yeah, good. Um, it's very cold here. Oh, is it? Getting used to that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) All right. So you okay for it to start? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah? Cool. So um, maybe the first thing is um, just for you to give a bit of an introduction, say who you are and what you're doing for Ireland and so on. So um, my name is Megan Carmody and I'm the Education and Activism Manager at Friends of the Earth Ireland. Um, So my role is to empower the activists here to take action themselves on the issues that they feel strongly about um, and also to spread um, information about the the campaigns that we're working on and um, the progress of campaigns in the European context. And so is that why you actually... Um, took part in the training that was organised for TTIP Game Over in September here in Brussels. Yeah, so um, we found that the activists here have a really strong interest in TTIP and CETA and campaigning against them and for fairer trade policies across Europe and the world. So um, my going to TTIP Game Over to learn how to mobilise in Ireland um, was, was part of that. So it was um, my role to, to learn how best to empower the activists here. Okay, cool. And um, in terms of, I don't know, content goals um, of, of the training, what, how was it and how did you find it? I found it really, really beneficial. It was quite varied, so uh, it was never boring at all. Um, some of the things that we did were um, a lobby tour where we went around Brussels and we learned that, um, for example, Cecilia Malmström, the European Commissioner for Trade, um, had a 100 to 22 ratio of private to public meetings in terms of uh, CETA and TTIP and that 92% of the European Commission meetings were with industry compared to only 4% with NGOs and trade unions. So the facts like that that really got me thinking about how unjust the system is and how the Brussels bubble really just benefits corporate lobbyists over NGOs and um, people campaigning for fair trade. We also did workshops um, on mass media, on planning and action, on various different um, strategies for helping us to mobilize back home, as well as training um, as facilitators and really looking at things from a facilitation point of view so that we could have skills to share when we got home. And did you find uh, um, that, because uh, the training used a lot of the School of Sustainability techniques, and did you find it um, useful, and, and, and how was it exactly, how different was it maybe from other trainings? So I found the use of um, School of Sustainability methods 
um, very, very useful. We've been using them here because we're a partner organization uh, with School of Sustainability, so we've been using development education techniques here for quite a while, and we found that it really fosters more participation um, and just a, a deeper understanding um, of issues for participants when you're really trying to take the experience from the room rather than using a top-down approach of uh, spreading information. So you're really engaging everybody in the process of learning. And um, how is actually the mobilization regarding CETA and TTIP in Ireland? And, and did something change in the last few months? Um, there's been a lot going on, certainly in Brussels, but mm -hmm. I think also in other countries. And how was it? how is it in Ireland? So the mobilization in Ireland is uh, its very political at the moment. So there's a lot of um, targeting towards our uh, European members of parliament specifically because we feel like that's the most strategic place to focus our energy on. So we have uh, the CETA check that we've been doing and we've been doing a lot of tweeting and a lot of emailing to um, specifically our MEPs that are in uh, the, the party that's in government at, mo at the moment in Ireland, which is Fine Gael. Um, so that's, that's really where most of our action has been taken. Uh, we did have um, a protest on the streets outside our parliament, the, the Dáil, a few weeks ago, and that was after our Shannad um, proposed a motion to, to not provisionally apply CETA. Um, and that motion actually passed, but it has since been ignored by the government. So at the moment, we're drawing a lot of attention to that that inconsistency and we're also um, trying to really pressurise our MEPs into not supporting um, CETA and to pushing for uh, an investigation into the legality of the investor court system. So that's where our energy is at the moment. But you still, there was, there was still um, an action that took place um, in Ireland or in Dublin I think it was uh, mm -hmm. within TTIP Game Over, was it something that was also related to that campaign or was it independent? Um, so it was kind of related to the campaign, but it was uh, more of a friend of the earth action. So it wasn't specifically lobbying, um, but we lobbied in our own way as we, we went around some of the main areas where lobbyists um, would be the, the financial services sector, for example. Um, and we carried out some... Uh, gorilla spray painting um, and just put up some images and some messages in wash off spray paint um, just saying stop TTIP and stop CETA and um, we did that in one evening very concentrated action in the hope that in the morning the people who worked in those places would be alerted to the fact that there are people in Dublin who are very very against TTIP and CETA so these are the people who maybe aren't so involved in politics and wouldn't be um, wouldn't be seeing all the, the online lobbying that we're producing. So it was a way to get the public um, talking about TTIP and CETA and really just maybe getting an interest into it and delving a bit further into it in their own time. Well, thanks. I, I don't know if you want to add anything else. Um... Um, yeah, well, recently I, I, I'm involved in a trade justice group here, um, which is part of an organization called COLOF, which means solidarity in our Irish language. Um, so a few weeks ago, I gave a session on TTIP and CETA, and uh, the participants were extremely interested in especially the issue of the investor court system um, and how unjust it was. So just through through giving workshops, um, a lot of the methods of which I, I learned in t the TTIP Game Over training, um, it's really helped to, to spread the knowledge. And a lot of these people now are getting involved in, in the activism and campaigning against TTIP and CETA. So 
Um, I think that's a really useful way to spread information about these trade agreements um, and to get more people active on the issue. Brilliant to hear that the training for trainers was successful and resulted in actions taking place in Ireland as well. Here in Brussels, we also saw about 40 actions organized by different groups during the second round of TTIP Game Over that happened on the 3, 4 and 5 of November, coinciding actually with the Latin American Day of Action against neoliberalism and for democracy. Interesting, because so far we have only talked about CETA and we've mentioned TTIP, but you might wonder why we're not talking about other free trade deals and what our position is on them. But thank God, we can always count on Fabian to tell us what to think. I think a lot of our, the concerns that, that have been raised over the last um, four or five years, uh, especially in regards to TTIP, uh, apply to a whole range of trade agreements. Um, what has made TTIP and CETA different is because they're going much further than other agreements uh, in certain respects, namely that they try to influence a democratic decision-making process already in a way that makes less so-called trade barriers uh, come about. Um, and, and this breadth um, and scope of these agreements is, is what, what has made them very different. But um, a number of these concerns, including especially these uh, investor privileges and, and their, their corporate courts, applies to all um, currently negotiated free trade agreements. And um, we have made very clear that we strongly oppose the inclusion of these mechanisms into any uh, of these agreements. And um, their, their negotiations uh, underway at the moment with countries like the Philippines, Indonesia, and Mexico. And we strongly object to the inclusion of, those, um, uh, of, of this mechanism into those agreements as well. Um, and, um, and we have met officials on that as well and, and made our point very clear. So while the attention is now clearly on, on CETA and TTIP, um, uh, th those concerns are much broader and, and affect uh, a number of those trade agreements. Coming back to CETA, um, the now CETA is signed. So is it too late or is there still something to do to stop this, this deal? Hmm. So CETA is signed, um, uh, but it hasn't been ratified by anyone yet. Um, so... Um, the ratification procedure is really what will give us the legally binding power over time. And that still needs to happen both by the Canadian Parliament, the European Parliament, and then by 38 national assemblies. Um, and all those um, um, parliaments will need to scrutinize the deal quite closely. In the European Parliament, we can already see an attempt to suppress the debate, which is very surprising because the proponents keep telling us what a great agreement is. So it's um, quite puzzling to see that they try to preempt any kind of substantial debate on this. Um, but um, it's very doubtful that they will be successful in doing that everywhere. Um, and there are a number of parties across Europe um, that have said that they don't see how they could accept the CETA as it currently is. And there are majorities in certain um, parliaments uh, that have the power to, to block CETA um, that have already said that they don't intend to ratify it. So there will be a very prolonged um, dispute around this um, across Europe. 
and um, the the signing of it is really only just the beginning of that struggle. Thanks for listening and to keep up to date with our network's campaigns. Follow Friends of the Earth Europe on Facebook and Twitter and visit our website at www.foeeurope.org. Get involved with the Friends of the Earth near you by going to foeeurope.org slash network. Subscribe to this episode on iTunes, SoundCloud or wherever you download podcasts. And follow radio stories from around the Friends of the Earth International Network at radiomondoreal.fm. Thanks to Pete the Temp for the music. And anything else to add? Uh, let's defeat Sita, maybe. Yeah, let's do that. This was Friends of the Earth Europe and Rio Radio. Radio.